You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast on the 5x5 Network. You're listening to episode 307 and I'm your host, Brittany Martin. From 2012 through 2017, Dave Paola was co-founder and CTO at Block, the first and largest online developer bootcamp. He was lucky to have some world-class colleagues. Together, they designed and built technology that helped thousands of students transform their lives by transitioning into a career in software development and design. Dave also co-founded JellySwitch in 2018 because he loves the idea of unleashing the power of the distributed workforce. He lives in South Lake Tahoe and loves the mountains, dogs, and hoppy beer. His favorite book is Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. It's so great to talk to you again, Dave. Thanks, Brittany. Hello from South Lake Tahoe. Awesome. So, Dave, what is your developer origin story? Developer origin story. Uh, I am one of those weird people who got into coding as a young kid. I uh, I first started messing with MS-DOS batch files on my parents' Samsung 386 uh, when I was in middle school, probably fifth grade or something like that. Uh, DOS batch files quickly led me to QBasic, so shout out to all the old school basic programmers listening. Uh, then I uh, kind of throughout high school uh, expanded my uh, programming knowledge, again, all for fun, uh, just uh, doing things like Visual Basic 6, uh, eventually progressing to Java, and then I was lucky enough to go to a really awesome university, the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign, um, and I was involved in the ACM group there where uh, I met just a bunch of world-class people uh, who really kind of added rocket fuel to my programming, uh, my programming experience. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much that's pretty much how I did that. And then after after college, I moved out to the Bay Area uh, to pursue the proverbial startup, uh, uh, the startup gold rush, if you will. So um, that is such an interesting question because I spent a couple years in San Francisco, and I'd love to get your take on this. Do you feel any more that potential founders need to move out to the Bay Area? Uh, well, so I, I do have a new startup in South Lake Tahoe. Um, and so I I lived in the Bay Area for about eight years, uh, six of which were at Block. Um, so most of my tenure in San Francisco was at a startup. And I, I'll be honest, um, I think, you know, I, I did leave San Francisco and I left for a variety of reasons that we uh, can all probably guess what they are. Uh, but I do think that the the one thing about uh, doing a startup in particular outside of the Bay is I think that the most difficult part there will be finding investors. Um, I, I still think the, 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 the money that is available in the Bay is unmatched uh, anywhere else in the country. Um, but I think barring that, I see no reason, you know, we've been perfectly successful at Jelly Switch um, without being in the Bay. We're near the Bay, of course, so I can go down to the Bay whenever I want. But I actually haven't been there in many, many, many months. Um, so uh, I definitely don't think you need to move to San Francisco to do a startup, but uh, you'll definitely need to spend time there, I would imagine, uh, if, you want, if you're interested in raising money uh, from a VC or, or a group of angels. Such good insight. So how much has Ruby on Rails made an impact on your career? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, I was first exposed to Rails in college. Uh, there was another student who was just getting into it, and this was probably, this was 2000, I want to say 2006 or 2007. And so I don't, I'm not, I don't remember if it was Rails 1 or Rails 2 at the time, but we kind of went through the, 
the the DHH build a blog in 10 minutes or build a blog in five minutes with the Rails scaffold command. And it really opened my eyes. At the time, I was really knee-deep in, in Scala, I believe, uh, doing doing the, kind of exploring the the, J, the world of the JVM and, and that whole world. And the thing that really struck me about Rails, I was introduced to, like many people, I imagine I was introduced to Ruby at the same time. And I remember trying to get, uh, this was, I think, before Heroku was even around. I'm not sure. I remember trying to get a Ruby on Rails, a Rails 2 project running on, using fast CGI under Apache on a, uh, on some kind of a, a digital uh, or some kind of a cloud host somewhere. Um, I really liked coming from both the Python world and the world of Java. I really liked the, the emphasis that Ruby has on, on programmer productivity. Um, and I, I have all sorts of thoughts and opinions and, and uh, hobby explorations I've performed in the Smalltalk world. And uh, the lineage between Ruby and Smalltalk, I think, is fascinating. Um, but the thing I love about Rails in particular, and the thing that the, the biggest impact that it's had on my career, is that I like I really like doing big things with really small teams. And I think that's one of the one of the philosophies, if if not explicitly mentioned. Uh, I I I took that quote uh, from uh, Sam Stevenson, who is one of the developers at Basecamp. And so that's that's my favorite thing about Rails. And I have found what this really allows me to do is move really quickly on things like side projects or rapid prototyping. And now for probably the third or fourth time, it's been possible for me to move really quickly with a really small team moving from the prototype into an actual product that can be sold in the real world as a business. And I, you know, I'm not, sh I'm not sure that there is another framework out there that is as tuned to that objective as Rails is. I completely agree. So we met when I was first a student and then an instructor at Block, which of course you founded. And because of that and all of your experience around boot camps and watching the evolution of them, I wanted to give you a space where you can just kind of tell the listeners about how you feel about boot camps at this present moment. Yeah, so that could be a really long topic. Um, uh, I, I was not the sole founder. I was a co-founder, actually. We had, we had a couple of other folks uh, involved as well. And I Gosh, that the, the the block journey occupied six years of my life in my in my mid to late twenties, and we you know we grew the company from basically four people up to over a hundred and I think one hundred and ten or maybe one hundred and fifteen people uh, when I left in two thousand seventeen, and in between two thousand twelve and two thousand seventeen, uh, the boot camp world just kind of exploded. Uh, there was a there was a huge amount of interest. Uh, in that in that industry, so I mean, if you want my thoughts on on boot camps in general, um, you know, I've I've been fairly unplugged from that industry for the past two years, uh, but I will say that I I believe that the rising tide lifts all boats. Um, I think it's great that there are young, uh, talented, resourceful people doing their best to change people's lives. You know, we had a uh, we had a phrase at Block, I don't know if you remember this or not, but um, we had a phrase that we, we kind of saw that all too often when capitalism and education meet, that the result is exploitation. And we really didn't believe that that was an ine inevitable thing. Uh, so we really, really tried hard not to, not to have that happen at Block. Um, you know, and for me personally, one of, the, one of the unique things about Block, it's been a while since I've been in touch with anybody there, but, so I'm not sure if this is still the way they do it, but uh, the, the, the way we always tried to structure our programs was very different than the classroom. 
Um, and the, the word that we chose very deliberately and thoughtfully was the word mentor. And so we wanted every student to have uh, one mentor uh, that they had that was an experienced practitioner in the field uh, that could help them learn. And the reason for that was because, first of all, for me personally, uh, I know that I've learned the most by just working alongside really talented people who were much more experienced than I was. Uh, and so uh, I don't know that there are a ton of programs out there that think about it that way. Um, there might be a few of them out there now, uh, but I do know that for the first couple of years, we were the only ones. Um, so that was really fun. Um, the other, the, kind of the thing I don't like about boot camps, honestly, and this is something that we kind of discovered later on at Block, uh, and I think attempted to, to kind of course correct uh, with kind of attenuated success, should I say, is that a lot of times employers are very skeptical of boot camp grads. Sometimes it's Sometimes it's unreasonable skepticism or unfair skepticism, and other times it's, it is reasonable skepticism. There's only so much you can learn in three months, and uh, employing a, a boot camp grad or a junior developer is a very different thing than employing uh, potentially someone like uh, a college undergrad who's coming out of a computer science degree. And so a lot of, a lot of programs aren't really that well-equipped or experienced in employing people like that. Uh, and I know from a management perspective, it is, it is different. Um, it is different, so... I, 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 you know, on the whole, though, I think I think boot camps are a force for positive change. Uh, there's always going to be a bunch of bad apples that kind of ruin the, uh, what's the phrase? They ruin the, <laughs> a bunch of bad apples ruin the whole thing for everybody, even though there's just a few of them. Uh, but I think overall, it's been a positive, uh, positive movement. What about you? What do you think about boot camps? Yeah, so I, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have Block because I had moved to San Francisco, discovered that I couldn't be a technical product manager without learning how to code. I needed to take a job, and as you know, it's so expensive to live in San Francisco, and so I needed a boot camp option that I could do at night, and Block just seemed like the obvious choice, and I really loved being paired with that mentor and learning quickly, and you know that mentor encouraged me to go out to meetups, and that's how I found my first technical job, and really haven't turned back to have been a developer since and really loved being a mentor at Block. Some of my students are still people that I get along with today and who still reach out to me with job um, updates and whatnot, which is terribly exciting. I, th I think for me, a lot of people will join a boot camp because they hear that you can make a lot of money, but they haven't proven that they actually enjoy coding. And I think it takes a somewhat special personality to really enjoy coding and you have to make sure that you know that before you get into the boot camp because I certainly had students who just really never really clicked with it and then I had students that were just amazing prodigies who were a goat farmer in Florida I had a barista in Seattle they were just incredible students and if it hadn't been for a boot camp they never would have gone down that path so you see these boot camps starting to close down that overpromised and underdelivered. And I think that, to your point, is the world kind of course correcting. But for me, the boot camps are really special because a lot of them taught Ruby and Rails. And we're getting to the point now that those students who came through and learned Ruby on Rails maybe five to six years ago, which is how long it has been for me, are now in those intermediate and senior roles and really keeping the Ruby and Rails community alive. So I think boot camps actually played a big part in that. Yeah, I think that's I think that's well put, especially your point uh, about kind of the first generation or second generation of bootcamp grads are now far enough along in their careers that they can certainly influence the hiring decisions now at companies. Uh, so I, I think 
I think you could see uh, a catalytic effect here. I don't, I, I don't stay in touch with the industry as much as I used to, so I don't know if this is the case, but we, we always kind of looked forward to that at Block where we could uh, face less of an uphill battle to get our, to get our grads hired. Um, so. Yeah, point. I think we're getting to the point, though, like where the HR person might see a resume with a boot camp and be like, oh, no, we, we don't hire from boot camps. And then someone say, actually, did you know that Susan, like one of our best engineers, came from a boot camp? I think we're starting to get to that point, which is fantastic. That is outstanding to hear. Yeah. So, Dave, can you tell me about Jelly Switch? Uh, yeah. So, Jelly Switch. So, I mentioned that I moved away from San Francisco. Uh and that was kind of a tough move, uh, but I've been coming up to the mountains uh, in the Sierras for the better part of a decade at this point. Uh, and to be really candid with you, I, I oftentimes the most stressful, uh, the most stressful times at Block saw me kind of escaping on the weekends up to the Sierras to go backpacking or snowboarding. So uh, I really love the lifestyle of moving to Tahoe. But but when I did move here, I kind of knew that I might be giving up, uh, giving up quite a bit. Uh, in terms of my professional network or in terms of my social network kind of starting over. And while I did have to sort of start over with my social world, uh, find, make new friends and so on, I kind of discovered to my surprise and delight that there is a technology community here. Um, and it is mostly located in a place called Cowork Tahoe, which is where I am right now. Uh, we're located on the South Shore in South Lake Tahoe, uh, about one block from the lake. So it's a beautiful location. And, you know, as the product person or the, at least the engineering person coming in, I, I knocked on the door. I kind of poked my head in and said, uh, you know, what's this place all about? Uh, I looked at your website, but it was kind of unclear. And they gave me an excellent tour. Uh, I, met, I met two of the partners, two of the four partners who operate the space. They showed me around. They showed me how to use the paper and pen scheduler on the outside of the conference rooms to schedule them. They showed me how to pay my bills with, uh, with PayPal. And uh, they showed me how to download a different app to open the electronic door. And I thought, you know, as I was going through this process, you know, there must be a better way to do this. Uh, I've been to a WeWork. I've been to big co-working spaces before. Um, and I know that it's all very integrated and, and kind of a, a really seamless member experience to, to some degree. And I thought, okay, so I did some research. I, did, I traveled around a little bit uh, and kind of uh, explored other independent co-working spaces, and I discovered a couple things. Uh, the first thing that I discovered is that there are way more independent co-working spaces than I ever thought. Um, as of today, uh, which is February of 2020, there are approximately 30,000 independent co-working spaces in the world, which is more locations than Starbucks. Uh, and uh, WeWork occupies about 700 of those 30,000 locations, which is actually very, very small. Uh, so WeWork is a tiny, tiny drop in the bucket, actually, which surprises most people. It certainly surprised me. So then my, the next thing I discovered is nobody is making good software for this. There are some existing co-working space management applications out there, but they uh, they don't really replace the proverbial duct tape and popsicle sticks. Uh, and so that's what, that's what I set out to do. So I, I prototyped an app. Of course, I was using Ruby on Rails, and I'd love to tell you about our stack and, and geek out on some of the tech stuff. Uh, but we, I basically prototyped and ended up partnering with uh, with Jamie Orr, who's one of the partners here at Cowork Tahoe, um, and so she's my co-founder. And we basically piloted and iterated upon the app here at Cowork Tahoe, making it work really well. And the idea is that co-working space members, if you work out of a co-working space, you actually don't really need or want that many things on a daily basis. You'd like to walk up, open the door, get your coffee, find your desk, get on the internet, and get to work. Uh, you don't want to have to mess around uh, with with terrible technology. Uh, 
So what we've built is essentially a holistic, completely integrated uh, member experience for co-working spaces. And then kind of along the way, we discovered that in order to enable that experience, we needed to build a really awesome backend as well. Uh, and so we kind of stumbled upon that, actually. We didn't set out to build that. Uh, but of course, with Rails, we were able to move really quickly and iterate rapidly, and uh, and we've built a pretty sophisticated system. Um, so we've been around for about a year. We launched about six months ago. Uh, we have had an outstanding reception so far. We have a bunch of customers growing every day. Uh, we're still iterating towards that proverbial product market fit, but uh, we're very close. Uh, I already know that we're onto something big. Um, and that one of the things I love about using Rails is, again, that we can do really big things with a really small team. That's incredible. So yes, I absolutely want to give you the space to geek a little bit about the the tech that you chose. So what is Jelly Switch built on? Yeah, so obviously we're on Rails. I actually just upgraded from Rails 5 to Rails 6, uh, which included the, you know, what, what I kind of dreaded, which was the Webpacker upgrade, uh, or uh, if you want to use the word upgrade. Um, uh, so we are uh, using Ruby on Rails. Um, I have a couple kind of general philosophies that I use when making these decisions. Um, Really, the idea is, again, going really fast with a really small team. And so when I think about selecting a framework or uh, designing uh, an architecture or writing code at all, uh, you want that, first of all, that design, build, and, and get customer feedback loop to, to kind of, you know, right now we get a, a lot of benefit by having that be in my head uh, or, you know, just me uh, and versus when we, when we hire out to design or to another programmer or uh, to a product manager to go talk to customers. Everything just slows down. Uh, and so we're really weary about that right now. Um, but with Rails in particular, uh, I really like that we can build and make technical decisions that make change faster tomorrow, right? And that's one of the things that, that I always harped on at Block, and it's, it's one thing that I, I still believe very deeply. Uh, at the same time, we kind of want to get it out there and refactor, so we don't want to, uh, you know, sit and agonize over our, our design. Um, and so, for example, I have really thin controllers. I have really thin models. Uh, I basically put all business logic into interactors, which is uh, something we did not do a block, and it's kind of something I've learned since then uh, from from a friend, um, and it's been a game changer for me. Um, I mean, I could talk about a lot of this stuff. Uh, I'm using Pundit for permissions, and I could talk at great length about Turbo Links as well. That's that's something that you know. Uh, has actually enabled our business. Uh, I think it would be much tougher for us to be in business at all without a library like TurboLinks. Um, I think that's huge because so many people are used to using the flag of turning TurboLinks off whenever they start a new <laughs> Rails application. And to hear you actually embracing it, I think really is a big change for the community. We use it ourselves and it's been huge for us. Yeah, it's uh, it's a flag that I used to use as well. And the TurboLinks, I think it was TurboLinks 4, just I... I remember having very strong negative feelings about it. <laughs> uh, and I'll tell you, I watched a talk by, uh, I mentioned his name, Sam Stevenson. If, if any of your listeners uh, are listening and you want to learn more about why TurboLinks 5 is basically completely different and much, much better, uh, I think it was a talk from RailsConf in, I want to say 2017 or 2018. Uh, I highly recommend it. Um, I gave an abbreviated version of it here at Cobra Tahoe. We have periodic developer meetups here um, every month. And... Uh, yeah, TurboLinks, especially the TurboLinks native containers. I think that's one of the things that when I hear a lot of Rails developers talking about TurboLinks out in the wild, I think oftentimes, at least in my interactions, what's overlooked is that they have built these corresponding or accompanying 
native iOS and native Android containers for, to, for TurboLynx applications. And so the value of TurboLynx for me is not necessarily only the performance gain or the perceived performance gain on the, on the front end on the web, but the fact that you can have a very rapid provisioning of mobile apps, which you might imagine you know, enables us at JellySwitch to, to move really quickly. So I always like to ask people who have fairly recently created a new Rails application, where are, where are you hosting the application and are you going with a front-end framework? Um, no. So we're hosting on Heroku. I I can't imagine why anybody would, would not use Heroku. I am friends with Chris at GoRails and Hatchbox, so I should plug his service. I've used that for some of my side projects. Um, but this time I'm going with Rails, uh, mostly just because it's what I'm familiar with and the add-on ecosystem is is vibrant enough that I can I can provision new add-ons like uh, like performance monitoring or logging, log um uh, like log history saving or, you know, so on and so forth. Um, and to your question about a front-end framework, um, I have not chosen a framework at all. We have um, we have gotten a lot of mileage out of actually using uh, Rails uh, unobtrusive JavaScript uh, alongside like vanilla vanilla Rails partials, and in particular, recently I have been playing around with the new Action View component uh, library that GitHub is, I think, hoping or planning or already upstreaming into Rails 6.1. I've been running it in production for the better part of it, uh, six better part of since it was released at all. Uh, I'm not sh- exactly sure when that was, uh, but it feels like it's been six months, and I love it. Um, and the reason I love it is because. I am giving ground as slowly as possible into the front-end world. Um, And the reason is not anything intrinsic to to the community. The reason is that I just can't move as fast if we have a separate front-end and a separate back-end. And so uh, one of the things that I loved about Sam Stevenson's talk about TurboLynx 5 was that we can kind of return to what you might consider what I would consider to be the golden era of web development, which was when you could take advantage of the statelessness of HTTP, you could render a fully functional user interface on every request response cycle. You didn't have to maintain state in these various places and worry about that state getting out of sync uh, or attempting to reproduce that state when something doesn't work. Um, and certainly, uh, certainly the decision to not select a front-end framework has allowed me to stay very lean. Uh, if I decided that we need, we, we might do this eventually, you know, we'll have to probably bite the bullet here at some point and build a React component uh, here and there. And uh, I think the way that we've built the app lends itself towards that kind of progressive enhancement um, if and when we want it. But we haven't selected one yet because honestly, we just can't move as fast as a team uh, if we have to switch languages and switch stacks. And kind of every time I dip my toe back into the water of the JavaScript world, or at least the, the front end uh, framework world, um, I'm kind of, I'm a little bit dismayed at how slowly everything progresses and how complex everything has kind of become. And I can retreat into the warm, loving embrace of Ruby on Rails. <laughs> I am tempted to name the episode that. <laughs> <laughs> so as the only backend developer at the Trust, I find that I have to be more vigilant about consistency in my code style and using linters. So how is it being the sole developer on JellySwitch? Oh gosh, how is it? Uh, it's 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 a uh, it's a double edged sword. I, I can move really quickly, and I you know I, I learned a lot at Block. Um, and for those who are unaware, we 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 had a team. I think at our at our peak, we had a team of maybe twelve engineers full time. 
And you know, I remember way back in the day, to your question about the front-end framework, I remember a couple of our engineers who were awesome people. Uh, they, they kind of kind of put me into a corner in our old office on, uh, on Howard Street and, and said, we, we, can't, we can't continue to use Backbone. We have to switch to a front-end framework, and we think it should be Angular. And they made a really good argument, and so I said, sure. And so we, we eventually built our entire front-end block in Angular. And, you know, at the time, I think that decision made sense, but I'll, I'll tell you right away that it, it really bit us uh, later on because for a variety of reasons we don't need to describe in detail, that, that turned out to not be a great decision for us. Um, so um, I, there are a lot of little stories like that that I could tell, uh, and, and uh, I think a lot about them uh, when, I, when I make technical decisions, uh, you know, here now at JellySwitch. And so I don't concern myself as much with linters. Uh, Right now, what I'm mostly concerned with is not making the same mistakes I made at Block, which were kind of early technical decisions uh, on the data model that that I remember that one of the, I will, <laughs> if any of them are listening, I, if anybody ever uses the word enrollment or enrollment chain, uh, I'll spin in my grave. I'll spin in my grave until for the next thousand years. And it's because we made some early bad technical decisions with our data model that ended up really biting us later. And so I'm trying my best to avoid those types of things now. That's where I spend most of my energy. It's not necessarily stylistic. Um, although I will say that keeping keeping um, keeping business business logic very separate from the framework, uh, I've I've learned a lot in the intervening years from people like Sandy Metz, uh, who I think you know I don't know if you have watched any of her stuff, but she, you know, in my opinion, she gives some of the some of the most outstanding general purpose programming talks. She happens to talk about Ruby, but I think most of what she describes is language agnostic. And uh, so I'm, that's how, that's what I spend most of my time thinking about. It's less the stylistic stuff. Uh, we'll have to do the stylistic stuff eventually when I hire my first engineer or two. We'll have to agree upon a style, but, you know, when, the, when it's just me, I can go really fast. Now, that said, the downside of just having one developer is, you know, it's 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 kind of uh, it's kind of ironic. In some ways, I can go really quickly, but there's only one of me. So uh, as we as we move towards product market fit, and we get more and more feature requests from customers, and we need to do more and more, uh, you know, kind of project management where we investigate the problem behind the, the solution that they're requesting, and make sure that the solution they're requesting does actually solve. There's a whole bunch of research and, and time and energy, of course, that goes into that. And so I do spend my time on that kind of stuff a lot as well. Uh, and so. Uh, Overall, I really, really like the stage that we're in right now, and I know that here at some point we will surpass this stage if we're successful, and I'm just kind of trying to enjoy it as much as I can right now. That's great. So one of my favorite things about you, Dave, is just your curiosity around code and how you're willing to try new things. And so the gist that I'm getting is that you're using very tried and true technologies for Jelly Switch. Do you find yourself also hacking on side projects in order to try new technologies? Like, how do you stay like well versed in what's going on in the rest of the development world? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, to be honest, I don't have many side projects. Jelly Switch started as the side project, and you know, kind of became the became the product. And when I when I have side project, when I do have side projects, I tend to not use them as much to investigate new technologies. Um, I have another side project called Query Clips that is uh, essentially a clone of Heroku Data Clips. And it's a side project not because I wanted to investigate a new new piece of tech. It's because I I wanted this thing to exist. <laughs> and I knew that the fastest way to bring it into the world would be to use Rails. <laughs> uh, now, that said, 
I am very excited uh, about certainly action view component. I mentioned that. I've had some back and forth on, on social media recently about this, and I, I would love to contribute back to the Rails community. It's given me so much, and I think in 2020, uh, I would like to say that you'll see some of that from Jelly Switch, uh, particularly in the action view component area because it's been such a, a, a productivity booster for us. But there there is one other project that I'm really excited to try, and that is uh, Stimulus... Uh, Stimulus Reflex, I think it's called. That's correct. Yeah, and so I, I follow those guys on Twitter, and uh, it looks really cool. I have a friend here at Cowork Tahoe, actually, who is a huge Elixir fan, uh, and he has been talking about Live View he, into my into my ears for probably months at this point. Uh, and so I, I think I have my head around the benefits of it and the trade-offs, and so I'd, I'd really love to try it at Jelly Switch. Um, it's unclear to me yet, probably until I try it, that how it kind of compares to if I want to use something like Action Cable and just kind of use vanilla WebSockets, uh, how, how that will behave. I'm not really sure yet, uh, but I definitely know that there are some parts of our product. In particular, we use kind of a, uh, an integration with third-party hardware manufacturers and services to open electronic doors. Um, and so I think having that be really fast and responsive could be a good use case. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Awesome. Well, before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you the same question that I've been asking all my guests this year, and that is, what are your thoughts on the Ruby community's future? Oh, I I think it's I think it's super healthy and probably continuing to grow. I, I don't have data or numbers on it. I don't keep track of it that closely, but uh, I think you know I've been watching kind of from a from a distance at what Shopify has been doing and certainly what GitHub has been doing as well. Now that they're, I think, running on master now, um, I'm really excited about that because it's, it's, it's essentially, you know, we don't really talk about it very often, but GitHub is now, you know, owned by Microsoft. And so we have the financial resources of Microsoft and GitHub combined, basically enhancing Ruby on Rails. And that, like, I don't know, I don't know if I could pick any company that I would rather have contributing to the future of Rails. So I, 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 I can't imagine how anybody could have anything but an optimistic view on the ecosystem and the community. And you know, every time I meet anybody in person, uh, like at a conference uh, or even for beers, it, the Rails community is just filled with wonderful people. I couldn't agree more. So Dave, how can listeners follow you and Jelly Switch? Uh, probably Twitter is the best. I'm dpaola2 on Twitter. Uh, I don't really use any other social media. And how about Jelly Switch? Uh, same thing. We're Jelly Switch app on Twitter. Uh, we also have a website and a blog that we'll be updating. I would love to. I would love to contribute some technical content as well. And I think our blog is is where you'll likely find that. Fantastic. We'll add that to the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dave. Listeners, I'll be taking a week off to travel to France for Paris RB next week. If you happen to be attending the conference, please come over and say hi. You will absolutely make my day.